I'm your host, Bailey Sessoms, and you're listening to CEO Convo, the podcast for unapologetically ambitious entrepreneurs. So get ready for some candid conversations with top-level entrepreneurs, dropping gems on building relationships, dishing the raw realities of running a profitable business, and realistic strategies on getting it done. I want to thank everyone for joining us um, for CEO Convo. Our first guest on the CEO Convo podcast, um, she's a graphic designer and a coder. She creates brand messaging and visuals for women entrepreneurs so they can communicate with confidence and clarity and just stop winging it. Y'all know how y'all do. Her clients include the Reginald F. Lewis Museum, which is located in Baltimore, the Association of Accredited naturopathic medical colleges and the michigan healthcare alliance please welcome to the show the ceo of sky media group tony brown hi tony how are you hi bailey i'm fine thank you for having me i'm so excited to be doing your podcast today so am i (laughs) by the way tony (laughs) is our first guest so i'm definitely excited about that so tony i wanted to start off um the new year talking about branding Because as you know, this is usually the time of the year where people make their New Year's resolutions. They want to start a new business. They want to rev up their business. They want to revamp their business. So sometimes, as you know, that includes um, a new logo, a new business name, a new whatever it may be, depending on the, you know, the um, the business. First, we're going to start off, which we always do um, here at CEO Combo. We start off with a scenario. And you and I talked a little bit about this in a previous conversation. But basically, this particular client, she has a profitable business um, that she's been running for a while. But now she's looking to expand her brand. She says, I have a logo, website, brand photos, etc. But I know I need a little more tweaking to bridge the gap and reflect uh, to reflect the additional services I'm looking to offer. My challenge is branding. Uh, my challenge is the branding person that I'm working with is now pushing me out of my comfort zone. And she wants me to rethink my brand altogether. Do I need to be more open to what she's saying or should I stand firm and stick with what I know has been working? Mm. So that's the scenario. (laughs) And I know you, and and I do branding as well, but I, and that was another reason why I wanted to start off with branding because I love it as well. And I I have experienced this and I know you have experienced this and we're probably going to always experience this, but what do you, what is your feedback on that? Well, that is a good question. And I think that the start of the year um, is always um, a time where uh, entrepreneurs, they want to revamp and they just want to get new everything. But the first thing that I will always consider is why do you want to revamp or why do you want to start a business? Because everything else draws from that why. Mm-hmm. And so when you're in a scenario where you're working with um, a potential client or a client and suggestions are being made, recommendations are being made for how to proceed the best way, and there's a little bit of resistance, it's always a collaboration. Mm-hmm. And I always go back and ask them or ask them why. So, you know, we'll I'll say your goal is this, and I suggest this, but you're resistant to this path. Why is that? What, what What's the main reason? I always try to get to the why of why there's resistance and then why they even want to start or restart this business anyway because it helps them to focus on 
the bigger picture and not get caught up in um, smaller decisions or just being stuck in their way. So I always have a big picture approach when it comes to branding. Mm -hmm. I like that. And with the whole why thing, it kind of reminds me growing up when, you know, you say you tell your mom or your parents, hey, I want to do such a well, why? What do you mean why? I just want yeah. to, but why? Like, there has to be a reason. Like, why is not, just saying because I want to, yeah. that's not a good enough reason. And I remember when we were talking before, when it comes to branding, honestly, there's a lot of coaching that is involved because, like you were saying, people, a lot of people, believe it or not, they don't know the why. They just know that they want to do something. Sometimes they'll throw in, oh, I just want to make a difference. And, okay, well, why do you want to make a difference? Like, is there an experience that you went through? Was there something in your life? Was there something that you saw that, you know, the industry was lacking or that there was a need for? So I think that why, as simple as it may sound, honestly, just like Creflo Dollar says, you know, it's a small foxes to spoil a vine. So it's usually those little things that we overlook that make the biggest impact. Right, yes, and, and I would have to agree with that. Um, all businesses, in, in my experience, start with the why. And I learned that if your why is to make money, then you have mm. to go back and revisit that question because it's not about making money. It's about making an impact. And usually businesses start because, um, as you mentioned, there is a hole somewhere that you want to fill in. In your um, scope, you say, I want to do this, but it's missing in the market. Let me create what's missing. And so <laughs> if you go back to that point when you or, um, start making changes to your business or want to rebrand, go back to why you even started. And like you said, it is a basic question, but it really is the most important question because everything else that you do in your business stems from the why. Even if you've been in business for 10 years and you want to start a new program. Why? Your, mm. that The why should always go back to that the, the beginning problem that you started, I mean, that you wanted to solve with your business anyway. Okay. So what would you suggest if a client is coming to you, they want to rebrand? And sometimes I think the rebranding is, is a lot of times, well, I know for me, it's more challenging because they say they want to rebrand. And mm -hmm. the word re means to redo. <laughs> but they're so stuck on holding on to the old. And I'm not saying some of the old things can't transition into the new, you know, yeah, yeah. but they're so stuck on what they did and what they were doing versus, and I guess just like with this, um, with the scenario, um, it appears as though she's not focusing on what's ahead. What is the goal now? I, you know, kind of like been there, done that. Um, but now I want to do more. You know, she stated that she wanted to add more services. So with that and bridging the gap, there's a change that has to take place. And then there's that misconception of, oh, you know, she had her logo, she had her website, she had her brand photos. A logo is not a brand. It can obviously become synonymous with your brand. And, you know, we can talk about that a little later, but what do you when a, so when a client comes to you with the rebranding thing outside of the why once they you know can effectively share with you the why what do you do next like what is the next step so the next step is to dig into their brand message and so answering basic questions there's two basic questions that I always I'm like to present is what makes you special and why should anyone care? And so it's a funny question because we're passionate about what we're doing, but the idea is that we have to get other people, our market, passionate about 
what we're doing. And we have to be able to articulate how we are different from other people who offer similar services. And so I always um, task my clients to answer those que- those two questions. What makes you special and why should anybody care? And those two questions lie at the top of the message that we develop for their brand. And so you notice that visuals don't come into play until later, but the brand message is next. Uh, them being able to understand what value they bring to the market, what results they're looking to achieve, what results have they already achieved with their clients. So if they don't have any clients, maybe um, friends that they've helped do the same thing. So the, the, the real life receipts don't always have to be clients. It can be uh, friends or places where they have volunteered. They can also um, do those things too. So brand messaging is next. Okay, so we have the why, and then we have the what makes you special. <laughs> what makes, what you, makes special? you special? What makes and you why different? Why should anybody care? Right, mm-hmm. and, and you know, why, and, and why should anybody care? Now that's the challenging part for me. The the why mm-hmm. I can do all day long, but what makes me different? And I think sometimes we're so close to what we do, and sometimes it can be so personal to us. It's hard to take an objective standpoint. So if you're yeah. one of those. I think a great resource, kind of like what you mentioned with the friends, um, even with clients, ask them, well, what made you hire me? What, you know, what, 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 you know, what was the difference that you saw in me versus other, other people? And sometimes that's when you'll find your why, you know, and they'll always tell you to do client surveys just so you can get that feedback to find out, you know, why the client decided to go with you versus someone else. And more times than not, you will be surprised how price has nothing to do with it because the cheap route usually is the most expensive route because then, like, I would say a lot of my clients come to me after they've already gone to someone else. So ask your clients, get, be, get feedback from them. What will be the next thing that listeners should consider when um, starting or rebranding or building their brand? To go in and, and assess what they currently have. So it's about performing an audit, and, and perhaps the audit would, would come even before the brand messaging, but I don't necessarily perform audits as uh, like a, a service. I just do it in the beginning before we start working on messaging so I can assess what they currently have, and then we'll get a discussion about what worked in the past, what do you want to get rid of, because from that, new programs, services, products, will start coming to light. And so just thinking about um, some of the clients that I've had, they have um, already been in business for a year or two, and they have a website, they have a logo, they have all of the visual things, but something is missing, and they want to do more. But they can't figure out how to go from where they've been to where they want to be. And so in that that's where the the auditing process will come about. And sometimes it's in tandem with the brand messaging because I look at all of the um, my client's social media, their marketing materials, any videos that they've done to really put together a full um, message, messaging package so that they can, you know, articulate, again, what makes them special and different. So that audit, and usually from the audit, nothing remains, especially <laughs> when it comes to women entrepreneurs. And it's because they, the direction that they want to go in is so far away from where they started that they don't want to keep anything. Mm-hmm. It's different working with nonprofits because nonprofits, 
they have elements that they want to keep, um, their core values, their mission. Usually with nonprofits, they need help getting the message out and being able to translate those those messages in new ways and in new campaigns. Um, but and they but it's usually with the visuals is what they need help with creating something that's consistent and modern. But with women entrepreneurs, usually nothing remains. The name remains. The website domain remains, but that's it. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think we tend, when we find a creative that we like and we see the stuff that they've done, it kind of opens up our possibility of, ooh, I like that. I want to, you know, I want to try something like that. So you were speaking of the visuals. So let's talk about logos. I, okay, I'm going to keep 100. I had to catch myself quite often just with my messaging because with Hustler to CEO, the branding is not about being the typical business podcast where everybody is stiff and, you know, the the collar is tightened. It's just like, no, let's keep it 100. Let's talk real business. You know, let's keep all of that corporate because I don't do corporate America. That's, that's, that's just me. I, I just don't function well in that type of environment. But I had to catch my messaging because I found it to be very structured at times. And I'm like, but B, that's not who you are. Like, that's not how you talk. That's not how you interact with people. You know, a lot of people think that I'm younger than what I am because I do have a bubbly, you know, outgoing personality. And that's what I wanted the website to reflect. So you mentioned the visuals. So when it comes to logos, there are some people based on what their name is, the name of the company, you know, like whatever, whatever word is in their name, they think their logo should reflect that. How do you deal with clients who... Um, and don't get me wrong, sometimes that does make sense. Um, but when you deal with clients who are so stuck on the logo, I guess reflecting exactly what the name says, when it, in some cases that's not the best choice, how do you deal with, you know, how do you deal with that? I like to explain that logos are expansive and that a logo is not just about what the company's name is. It's about what the company stands for, the emotions that they want to evoke, the personality of the business, who they're targeting. Uh, because a logo for a uh, business that uh, focuses on children is totally different from a business that focuses on maybe high school kids. Even though they're both young, you know, younger than 21, their demographic is different, different, and so the design would be different for children. It, it could be playful, and it it and it won't it doesn't need any icons or pictures, or and for high schoolers, it it has to be something a little bit more funky, because that's the emotion, that's the demographic, that's mm-hmm. the message. So. Um, it's not just a logo. It's a it's a logo system. It's an identity system. A logo is just one part of a brand identity system, and you have to look at it as a whole environment where where these these um, items represent your brand. And so, I don't create logos that are literal a lot of times and I like for logos to be simple because they have to be timeless. You don't want to change a logo every year because then your market is going to be confused. Well, she had a pink logo, now she has a yellow one. Like what's going on with her business? She's all over the place. And so if you create a logo based on what you stand for and your market and again your why and your story just in total then it will remain the same because your why won't change, your um, your mission won't change. It'll expand, but the the 
foundation of it, it won't change. So I try to explain that to um, clients to, you know, don't just look at your logo as a, a picture. Mm-hmm. It's more of like the story. It's telling the story of your business. It's telling your ideals and your values and, and things like that. And so those are intangibles. Those are things that you can't really touch. And so that's where the create the creative part process gets um, bigger because now you're trying to embody um, intangibles like emotion and values with one image. And it could be so many ways that it could go. And so I try to help them not be stuck on just one way of doing things. Like um, for right now I'm creating um, an identity for a baker and there's nothing or a bakery and there's in the logo, there's nothing that is no cakes, no cupcakes, no mixing bowls. It's nothing like that because we want it to be timeless and modern and, and, and chic. Mm-hmm. It, it, something that, that looks good enough to put on a T-shirt and not look like it's all over the place. Right. Now, would you also agree or would you agree that um, a logo is also subjective? And I say that, mm-hmm. so let me give you an example. I have a friend that I designed a logo for, and they loved it. I showed it to other people, you know, other guys and stuff, and they loved it. He, in turn, showed it to one of his female friends, and she started to dissect it. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, res- I respected her, her opinion, but I knew right then and there that her perception of what the logo was was uh, uh, was subjective based off of her experience. Yes. So, and it was literally totally left. So, when we got, we actually got into a debate about what um, what makes a good logo. And you know, she proceeded to say that she didn't like to because she did advertising where she didn't like to. She didn't like it when clients already came to her with, um, I guess, some branding collateral. She liked she liked to start from the beginning. So that already told me that she was working from a place that she wasn't comfortable with. And I think that's important when you are hiring someone, not just look at their body of work, but also pay close attention to how they, um, in this case, since we're creators, how they create. And you have to make sure that their creative process aligns with the way you do business. If I was a client and I was coming to her and I knew that she didn't like to work with clients who already had collateral established, then I could automatically assume that it was going to be an uphill battle working with her. So we got into a um, you know a discussion about logos and stuff like that and how things were you know created. So I proceeded to bring up and this kind of goes back to what you were saying how your cake person had nothing to you know there was no mixing bowls, no cakes or anything. So if you mm-hmm. take a look at Starbucks um logo, which I'm going to be honest with you for the longest time I really never paid attention to the logo. It was just I saw it, I knew that was Starbucks. It was synonymous with Starbucks just like the swish with Nike. It's just it was you know the swish has nothing to do with a, a shoe. Starbucks logo has nothing to do with coffee. It's a mermaid. Right. And it's yeah. the total opposite of a field with with coffee beans and you know, but they right. created something that now is synonymous with a brand. So I guess it's two folk so it's actually now it's a two fold question. One, 
do you believe that logos are subjective based off of a you know based off of a person's experience and two um that whatever it is that you know it can definitely become synonymous with whatever your particular brand is mhm yep I, I would agree logos are subjective you can give two designers the same creative brief and they will create something completely different based on their understanding and experiences of the industry, the person, um, the market, that business's position. So it definitely is subjective. I do think that logos, there's some elements of logos that should just be done away with. Things that um, design elements that don't translate well when um, on uh, black and white, mm-hmm. like gradients don't trans don't translate well on black and white. You can't really tell. Three um, D logos, there's a place for them, a very specific place for them. They 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 don't belong on everything. Logos that have cartoony things, um, elements, there's a place for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it depends on the designer and the experiences. Yes. And I do think that you really can, uh, I'm pretty sure that the the mermaid logo with Starbucks, they, it has a meaning to them. Mm-hmm. It's something that is relevant to their leadership, their board, the story behind the, the, the business and everything, but it's, it's, it's completely left. <laughs> there are no coffee beans, no coffee cup. And I think that's what makes it special is because it's not related to anything else that's on the market. And I think that's what logos should be. Just mm-hmm. because you are um, a hairstylist doesn't mean that your logo needs scissors, comb, brush, or hair. I think that if you, it just goes back to what I'm saying, that if you were designing um, based on your values, your mission, and things like that, those intangible those emotions, then you can come up with a lot of different ways to convey that logo. And then that is what makes it so that other people can't copy it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because there are many hairstylists with hair, the wavy hair icon with the comb and the flower. Mm-hmm. There is no separation from you and the other salon that's down the street or, or across the nation. Mm-hmm. So I like to look at logos and abstractions um, and and intangibles. I don't create logos that are just based on the industry. My The logos that I create rarely have icons, rarely have rarely have pictures attached to it because I try to design from an emotional place mm-hmm. so that the logo can be more special than the average logo. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'll say this too. Um, like when I created my book, The Beauty Diary, <laughs> give myself a little plug, it's, the cover is totally different. It has no, it doesn't have a picture of a woman. It, there's no beauty. It's literally a, a graphic of a shoe. But mm-hmm. it's so eye-catching that it makes you want to pick up the book and flip through. And then when you pick it up and start reading, you're excited and happy that you did. But at the same time, it looks good on the coffee table. Like I have some male friends who have bought my book because they want to have, you know, it was that aesthetic. They wanted to have it on their coffee table because they knew when the ladies came over, they were going to pick up the book and, and, you know, be like, ooh, I like this, you know. So it made them feel like, yeah, I got taste, you know. 
Yes. So I was honored by that, but you know, gosh, no man, they gotta get it where they can. So you know, but it serves it serves as a dual purpose. So I'm like, okay, but I do think it's. I will say this: two things. I think it's important to start where you are. So for the entrepreneurs out there who are starting off, just start. Or even if you just have your name, even so, if you decide, okay, I'm not gonna get a icon or a logo, you know, right now, I'm just gonna start with my name. That's fine too. And then once you do, you know, start building your clientele and you're making money, take that time, set some funds aside to, you know, to hire a graphic designer or a branding expert to, um, you know, help you build your branding collateral. Yeah, that's what they, that's what a lot of entrepreneurs do. They want to start where they are. I think that when it comes to spending, um, investing in your business, the, the uh, kind of the proper way that it's always good to start with that brand strategy and brand messaging first. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever the cost is, uh, whatever the range is, I think that it's cheaper than getting something and then having to redo it again and again and again. And um, one of one of my tips, one of one, a design secret that I use is that when um, entrepreneurs, the, the name of their business is their name, to write their name out several times on a piece of paper, scan it in, cut out the the signature that um, is the best, make that your logo and put some simple type underneath of it to you know that's your name or that's your business name because then that's kind of like the cheap way, mm-hmm. um, but it's still individualized and you you won't have to to a degree worry about going back and redoing it. Um, until you want to, you know, get it vectorized and things like that. But again, that's just um, just a quick tip. But mm-hmm. I always recommend that whether you're starting out or restarting, that you always start with the brand strategy and the brand message because that's going to shape everything else. Right. I think brand messaging is very important. And I actually like that little tidbit. And for the entrepreneurs out there who don't, if you don't have nice handwriting, ask a friend mm-hmm. who does. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ask a friend who has yeah. nice handwriting to write your name ten times until you yeah. get it right and scan it in and you know do what Tony said add you know add some 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 simple text at the bottom and if your handwriting is fancy enough that might be your logo because it like she said it's synonymous yeah. with you yeah I like that idea yeah. so that's a great takeaway once we figure out the why then we moved on to you know obviously what you're passionate about what makes you different we did the visual audits for the logo and stuff like that. And then I mentioned how, you know, you had to make sure that the way the creative works aligns with, you know, the way you do your business. What would be the next yeah. step that entrepreneurs um, need to take into consideration? Well, I think the brand identity um, after the, the making sure that the designer um, that you all collaborate and can collaborate well, mm-hmm. the brand identity is next. And the logo is a part of that. But um, usually how I start off is creating a mood board that really reflects the personality of the brand. So the mood board can include pictures of your target market, um, places that they would go, different colors, clothes they would wear, ideals, ideals that they would have, um, how their house would look what they do for a living. So all of those things, um, you could put that on a mood board. And sometimes it's bigger than just a few pictures. It could be 10 pictures, 20 pictures. 
And all of that represents your brand. It represents it represents it from a visual aspect, but also it represents your target market because that's ultimately who your business is for is for your target market. And even though our personality is in the is in our businesses, our businesses are really for the people that we serve. Mm-hmm. Then um, from there is the logo. And along with that, the different um, collateral, the business card, um, any signage, uh, whether you have a brochure or you're going to be at a trade show, you need signage. Um, and along with that, your brand photo shoot. So usually if you have signage and your business is about you um, or you want to create a special set of um branded photos that brand photo shoot is so so important the the brand identity and the brand photo shoot they kind of it, it kind of happens in two parts so the brand identity is something that the designer would go about creating but those photo shoots will happen at the same time because a lot of times those photos do become a part of that identity they represent the 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 owner and their target market. Maybe, you know, your target market, you want to take picture around a conference room with, you know, a diverse group of people. So then those pictures will become a part of any signage that you have or your business card, um, which is what I usually do um, with my clients um, when they're local. I serve as creative director for their photo shoots, and then we can create their photos with that personality and brand um, message in mind. And so those photos then become a part of their business cards, the brochures, um, any signage um, in social media and their website. I know. Okay, so let me just, I'm going to keep 100 again. There are several, I'm sure, quite a few entrepreneurs. Well, well, I don't know, because we the CEO crew, so we, you know, we doing some things. So let me just not say that. But sometimes when we, 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 (laughs) you know, branch into new endeavors, we're like, we just hear the dollar signs adding up, ching, 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 ching. So Mm -hmm. what I wanted to say, it may sound like a lot, um, what Tony is saying. It it is a process. I will definitely say that it's definitely a process. Mm -hmm. But there's always a cost to entry. Now, your cost to entry is not always money. Your cost to entry may be your time. It may be your finances. It may be your time, meaning you may barter. Now, if you're starting a business and you don't have any type of resources, you don't know anybody, you are not called to start a business. Now, I will say God calls, God chooses the uncalled. I will say that. So I'm not saying if God spoke to you, that's not what I'm saying. But he will provide the resources. So even when you're starting a business, it's important, I think, to take um, – to make note of who do you have a relationship with? Do you have a girlfriend, you know, one of your BFFs who can do your hair for the photo shoot? Do you have a makeup artist who can do your makeup for the, you know, for your photo shoot? Do you have a client who can help you market your business in exchange for, let's say you're you're a CPA, in exchange for doing bookkeeping for a year? You know, whatever that is. So some things are going to require you to pay, other things, not so much. There was something that I posted on social media, on Instagram, a while back that said, you know, you don't have time for a class, but you have time to go out to have drinks with your girlfriends. You don't have time yeah. to read a book, but you have time to watch shows on cable. You don't have time to yeah. go to a, a conference, but you have time to go to um, a girl's trip. So it really just boils down to priorities 
And yeah, even if that means you got to give up that $500 car note because you want to ride in style to downgrade to something that's $250, well, that's actually 250 a month. And I know I'm talking, and I know a lot of y'all don't want to hear that, but, you know, <laughs> when it comes to business growth, like I had a friend, my, my boy, he's like a brother, he has a multi-million dollar company. And when he started his company, he 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 was going to well, they weren't going into business together, but they were going to pursue the same business, the same type of business. And the first thing he said was, "Man, we need to get rid of these cars." And his boy was like, "What do you mean we need?" To? He was like, "We need to get rid of these cars because we need, you know, basically we need as much finances, as much money as possible to, you know, to do our business." Well, we already know how that story ended, so I won't even go into that. But in anything that you do, there requires a sacrifice. So when Tony is talking about, okay, we got to do the logo, we got to do the mood boards, we got to do the, um, the, you know, the brand statement, we have to do this, 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 and that, there's definitely a cost associated with it. But when it's done right, the reward on the back end is more than tenfold. Like you're definitely going to make your money back. People are going to see you as professional. Oh, she has her message together. She has her look together. She means business. And those are the things that draw people to you as clients, not the, oh, I'm winging it on a hope and a prayer. That's, and what you're saying is so true because entrepreneurs have to make a sacrifice and social media has a lot of entrepreneurs thinking that they have to look and be a certain way in order for people to be interested in them. But if it's not authentic, then your market is going to be able to see through that. I tell everyone that I proudly bought my van outright and Mm -hmm. I got my van off of Craigslist and Mm -hmm. I will pull up to the front in my van because guess what? What I drive is not important to me. That's right. not important to me at all. It gets me from point A to point B. And could I have a more expensive car? Yes, I could, but that would take away from other things. Plus, I live in. I don't live in my van. I live in a home that Girl, is preach. important to me to actually be able to keep the electricity on, to mm-hmm. pay the mortgage and things like that. So, no, I'm not going to have a $500 um a uh, uh, car note. It's just not. It's just not smart in this economy, um, and that's no shade to anybody else. But when you're building a business, there are a lot of things that you'll have to forego. Can you do your own hair? Okay, you've been to the on the run tour four times. Do you really need to go again? Mm-hmm. Um, your your nails. Can you polish them on your own? Can you do your own manicure and pedicure? So when I am talking to clients or potential clients, one thing that um, my design mentor taught me is don't work. Do not base your prices on what you think someone can afford to pay. Mm-hmm. You base your prices on what your prices are. And if somebody really wants to work with you or if they're really serious about your their business, then they're going to find the money to pay it. Same right. thing with me. If I really want something, I don't haggle prices, especially with women entrepreneurs. Whatever your price is, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And if I really want to do it, then I'm going to pay for it and, and, and let it alone. I mean, and I'm sure, Bailey, that you know that you have to make investments in your own business. I took classes that have cost me thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. I have um, bought different programs um, so I can better serve my clients and all of those things cost and I don't haggle on prices. And so just, just an entry, just to to speak in with me, for example, my clarity calls are $40 for 25 minutes. And Mm -hmm. it might seem 
like, um, oh, she's charging money before um, we even start to work together. Well, time is is also money too. And when I'm on the phone with with potential clients, I'm offering you value. So mm-hmm. it also shows that you're serious that you want to work on your business when you pay that forty dollars. And 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 all of us have to make these investments. So. Um, their That's investments true. do pay off, and they pay off too. They do. I have what is called my brain because I like to share information, and I'll get off the phone with someone like, oh, my God, Bailey, thank you so much for sharing. I'm like, what? Like, it just comes natural. But then I realize, you know, I mean, and if, if we're cool and I know you, it's, it, that's love. You know, that's, that's I'm paying it for. That's a love offering. But if there's a right. goal that you're trying to achieve and your things are delaying your your success or you know or delaying your goal i would just suggest to take a moment to step back just to gain a moment of clarity to ask yourself okay which one is more important for me to pull up and not be where i want to be and not be fulfilled or yeah. to you know pull up in something that's not as glamorous but i know you know that i have you know hundreds of thousands of dollars sitting in the bank somewhere and I'm content with who I am. You know, for everything that you buy yourself on a personal note, invest twice that much into your business. Just have some type mm-hmm. of plan for growth. Um, just like you mentioned, don't, you know, social media has people thinking that they need to have this and that and take pictures showing the bottoms of their, um, their, red, uh, their red bottoms or whatever and putting their purses to the side and putting it in, in with the, the labels and all that other stuff, but you go to their, click on the link in their bio and their website is down. They don't even have a website, mm-hmm. but they're a business owner. Those two things don't translate. And when things like that happen, someone goes to your profile, your, your Instagram profile, and there is no website, but you're a business owner. They probably won't do business. They probably won't ever do business with you. So those first impression management is more than just what you look like personally but it's how your business is functioning mm-hmm. just when you know when you get on the phone with somebody are you on time for the call do you greet them well if you are in somebody's dm are you trying to introduce yourself the proper way or are you just saying what's your prices for this that mm-hmm. all of that is first impression and so how you come off you know invest in customer service a customer service class invest in a communications class it's a lot of ways that you can benefit your business local colleges have free um uh, programs on the weekends sometimes so mm-hmm. it's a lot of different things that can be done to build your business right and that aka coincides with your brand but you know not only is your brand collateral with your messaging, with your logo, with the aesthetics, um, with the website, everything being, you know, cohesive, the way you carry yourself, the way you talk to people, the way you mm-hmm. respond to people, and that doesn't necessarily mean positively, but also negatively. When you're dealing with a client and they even say something out their mouth that they that you know and they know, you know, they're trying to push you to see how far, you know, see what they can get away with. Um, not saying that you have to be a punching bag, but how you respond, you know, says a lot. Mm-hmm. All of that goes hand in hand. And, I, and and I'm definitely speaking to the millennials when I say this, because I know that they, you know, they have their own way of doing things. And I'm not saying all of that is wrong because I've met a lot of extremely professional millennials. But sometimes um, they do tend to get a little too comfortable. 
and they need to remember that this is still a professional environment and this is not I'm not your home girl you know and if we establish that type of dynamic that's one thing but until that you know happens because I have clients that I've become you know close to so there's nothing wrong with that but when you're still providing a service for someone regardless of how close you might have gotten on a on a personal level you still need to know how to separate the professional aspect of the of the relationship from the personal and I think that's so important to brand building is to keep your emotions out of it because mm-hmm. your emotions will have you burning bridges and disconnecting with people that really could have helped you and been in your corner but because of some difference in opinion or some miscommunication you didn't block them on Instagram or you're no longer friends or whatever the case might be. And that hurts you because you've gotten too emotional in your business. We, you know, especially as women dealing with women, we have to keep our emotions out of business because that is going to keep you out of a lot of room. You Mm -hmm. absolutely have to be professional and learn that don't know. I mean, don't nobody owe you nothing. Nobody owes you anything. And everything, when it comes to your business, you absolutely have to earn it. And it, the way that you carry yourself will will garner respect for you. And mm-hmm. so people will want to, you know, include you in certain spaces because even through difficulties or whatever the case might be, you're still professional. You still act discreetly. Um, and you are tactful because this this business landscape is very small and you're really mm-hmm. only a couple of like six degrees like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon we're like mm-hmm. six degrees of separation from from everybody else and somebody always knows somebody so knows somebody so it's very important to maintain that professionalism even with difficulty because you're going to have difficulties so you got to you know, I don't even think it's now. With social media now, I don't even know if it's six degrees anymore. I think it's more like three. <laughs> I think it's I think six degrees would happen when we were still using encyclopedias and all of that stuff. Now I think it's more of a three degree of separation because there's people. I'm like, oh, do you know Tony? Yeah, you know Tony. You know Bailey, girl. Yeah, Bailey's a oh, no. tall girl. Like, yeah, I know. I'm like, I'm like, who, who, who is this now? So, but one of the things I do do, and you're gonna. And so let me share this bit of advice too. Whenever I deal with clients outside of the initial conversation. All communication has to happen via email. Now, that's not saying that we can't have a a call and we can't talk on the phone, but any request that you want me to do has to be sent to me via email because when things move along and you decide to change your mind, I don't want to get into the, well, no, I didn't say that. Well, here's the email. Um, And sometimes clients legitimately forget. It's not so, you know, trying to catch someone in a lie, but sometimes they Mm -hmm. legitimately forget and that's okay. But it keeps a paper trail. But if I'm working on a project and a client is dead set on something happening a certain way, and I know from experience that's a that's a bad move, I'll say, okay, am I, and actually my mom says this to my dad all the time, you're the expert. So if this is what you want, you're the expert in your field, you know what works for you. So let's just make a note that this was something that you decided was best on how we proceed. Right. So then that way later on they can't say, well, Bailey suggested that I do. No, Bailey didn't. So, and if it works out great, that's even better because, yeah, you, you knew exactly what you were talking about. With that whole conflict thing, there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And like Tony said, you know, when you get your emotions involved, there's nothing personal. Y'all in a business relationship. That person not going home with you, that, you know, tonight. So it was not personal. It's strictly business. Um, take your emotions out of it. Operate from a place of abundance. 
And so yeah. many business owners don't do that. Operate from a place of abundance, meaning if you have $5 million sitting in your bank account today, what choices would you make? Would you still make that same decision if it didn't have anything to do with money? And that kind of goes back to what Tony was saying before. If you're going into business because of the money, you're going in for the wrong reason. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, Tony, let's end with what we call our three power plays. What are three next steps that our listeners should take in order to move themselves closer to building an effective um, brand for their business? I think that they should just make the decision. If you have been sitting on your business idea or your business for a years or months, just go ahead and start the business and start it the right way. As we, you know, if you're listening to this, start it with your brand strategy and your story. Of course, start it with your why, but start it with your brand strategy and your brand messaging. Don't just jump in and create a logo because nine times out of ten, I guarantee you, you're going to change the logo. The business mm -hmm. is going to grow beyond the design that you've created, created for your logo. So start with your brand message and your brand story and the strategy too. I want you to start with the why and that that really shouldn't be a timely process, but that brand strategy and the brand messaging, that's the, the lengthy process of getting started with the business or restarting with the business. I also think that the type of people that you surround yourself with will really, really impact the success of your business. If you are the only business owner in your bunch, then perhaps you need to make connections in different communities so that you can have a group of friends that are business owners, even if the, the businesses are in different industries, because business owners have a unique set of challenges that people that work nine to five, they just don't have. And one is not better than the other, but nine to fivers don't have the same business challenges as entrepreneurs. So it's important for entrepreneurs to surround themselves with other entrepreneurs. I think that's essential. I don't honestly, I don't think that's an option. I think that's something you, you definitely need to do. If you're not doing that now, you're doing yourself a great disservice. They can relate, but there's a difference between relating and understanding and walking in your shoes. What would the third thing be? Well, okay, I'm, I'm going to have this third one piggyback off the second one, but mm -hmm. it's not really a full third one. So also along with your community, make sure that you have a mentor. Mm -hmm. Whether it is, and, and I suggest paid mentorship, and it doesn't have to be a mentor that, um, you know personally, but maybe it's somebody online that you've been following and you really like everything that they're doing and they're, they're, they're teaching the right things, they have the right personality, their, um, their attitude drives with yours. Take some of their courses, um, listen to their podcast, just dig into them and invest in them and, and get that mentorship. I do caution folks with the mentorship thing though. Mm -hmm. Don't approach a person telling them you want them to be your mentor. And you're not bringing anything to the table. I remember I had this candid conversation with a um, friend of mine, and we were having lunch, and she wanted, um, actually, and it ended up being my cousin that she spoke about, which was totally funny. So I just, like, listened to the whole thing of what she had to say. But she said she wanted him to be her mentor. And I asked her, you know, I believe in keeping it 100. I was like, why should he be your mentor? And she said, what do you mean? You know, because basically I asked, I said, okay, but he's busy. He has a brand he's building. He has clients. He has this, he has that. 
Why should he take the time out of his day to be your mentor? What are you bringing to the table? How are you going to serve him? You know, what are you doing where you, where, where you can organically place yourself in the dynamics of his day-to-day? And she never thought about that. She was like, you know what, Bailey, I never thought about that. You're absolutely right. I was just like, yeah, I said, now you went to law school. Can you write us some contracts? Can you look over his contracts? Can you, you know, what can you do to make his life easier? Because just being in his presence, just being in any mentor's surroundings, you'll learn and absorb so much just by being there. But I just want people to know that being a mentoree does not mean that you disrupt the lifestyle and the day-to-day responsibilities of your mentor. You have to, just like you want them to sow into you, that's reciprocal. You have to sow right back into them. Mm-hmm. And that's why um, taking any type of classes or just really digging into not what they do, but how they're doing what they're doing is important too. And so mm-hmm. that might take, you know, some months or a year or so of you just lurking. I mean, right. be, and just researching on that person. Yeah. So here's my real third one. So attitude is mm-hmm. so important when it comes to building a business. And mm-hmm. you have to have the right attitude. You have to be positive and give off the right energy. We all have bad days, but nobody cares. Right. And unless you're going to turn that bad day into maybe like a social media post or a learning lesson, I don't recommend going online and complaining. Nobody uh-huh. wants to hear somebody complaining. They don't, um, to right. be honest, they don't care. The only thing that your market cares about is how can you serve them. Maybe you can turn that experience into a lesson, a, a learning lesson, and then turn that into a, a new service or solution. But mm-hmm. attitude is just so important. And I think that in this um, landscape, a lot of um, entrepreneurs um, think that people owe them something, Um, think your market owes you or this person owes you. Nobody owes you anything. You always have to come from a place of you helping other people and and, and being a positive connection. Mm -hmm. I would agree to that. And I know there's some listeners listeners like, I know my attitude needs to be right. Well, that right there tells you that your attitude is not right. If that's the first thing you feel, why is she telling me I need to have a good attitude? You're probably the person who needs to fix their attitude. But I will also say going on social media or any platform for that matter, inventing, what's the positive out of it? And one other thing I would like to say to people, especially when it comes to branding. Okay, so let me just say this real quick before we end the show. If your platform is an experience that you've gone through, let's say drug addiction, sexual abuse, cancer, work discrimination, whatever, like it came from something negative, and you're transitioning that into a pod, something something positive, I think that's a beautiful thing. However, mm-hmm. if five years from now you still talking about the same thing and there's no elevation, so it's kind of like, okay, you've been there, done that. What are you doing now? Are you still right. talking about – because I think people forget your messaging is so important. So if I'm listening to you year after year telling the same story, it's kind of like, okay, well, what are you doing now? How have you moved on from that? You might have had that experience, but have you started a nonprofit? Do you volunteer? Do you like what is what is it that you do outside of saying that you over that you've overcome that situation? And then right. at some point, you have to find a new message, whether that's uh, and when I say new message, I don't mean like if you have breast cancer now, you're talking about saving you know, you join PETA, start talking about saving dogs. I'm not talking about that as far as a new message, but 
in every store, in every brand, there has to be some type of elevation. Like you'll see celebrities, you'll see recording artists reinvent themselves. So maybe that's a, maybe that's a good word. How are you going to at some point reinvent yourself? You took the negative, you moved it to a positive. Now what is the next step for that? And when you don't do that, you'll find yourself losing your audience because people want to continuously be motivated. They've if you've motivated them in the right way, they're no longer in that space. Oh, that was a that was a good point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I see people do it, and I, you know, when I first hear, it, I'm like, oh my God, that is so awesome. I'm so proud of you. Yes, praise the Lord. You overcame. You realized it had a season. You knew that was something that happened to you. That that's not you. But years later, if you're still talking about that, it's like, okay, well, did you really get through that? Like, did you really get over that? Because you're still talking about it. I definitely want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you. And I hope the listeners out there. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. Um, so just to recap, the three steps is we got to know your wise, you got to know you're passionate, you got to be professional, you have to have a great attitude, and you need to surround yourself with positive um, budding, well, not even budding, but more so established entrepreneurs as well as a mentorship. And I know you're probably thinking, Bailey, what does that have to do with brand branding? Because you are the company you keep. If people see that you're surrounded, surrounding yourself with other influential, successful individuals. At some point in time, even if you're not there, you're going to be there and they're going to align your brand with those particular brands as well. So not only do you have to pay attention to who you align yourself with, but who you don't. I want to thank Tony Brown for joining us. Tony, where can people contact you? How can they get in touch with you? So um, I have a, a branding and web agency called Sky Media Group. And uh, my website is skymediagroup.com. That's S-K-Y-E, mediagroup.com. And under my agency, I work with nonprofits, foundations, and purpose-driven companies. And then my personal brand is Brand Coach Tony. The website for that is brandcoachtony.com. And that's where I work with women entrepreneurs to um, build strategic brands and messaging and websites so that they can stop winging it and start winning at it. And so you can reach me on either one of those, and let's talk about how I can assist you. Perfect, perfect. Well, I want to thank everyone, including Tony, for joining us. Remember, business is a lifestyle. Use everyone, but don't misuse anyone. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Thanks again for joining us this week on CEO Combo. Visit our website, hustlertoceo.com, and subscribe to ensure you never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you're loving the convo we're serving up, please give us a five-star rating or tell a friend. Don't forget to rep your CEO status and order your Hustler to CEO gear today. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of CEO Convo, the podcast for unapologetically ambitious entrepreneurs.